it's 1 a.m. having a bit of a panic attack. <laughs> Freaking out a little bit about our financial runway. I need to raise us an additional half a million to a million. Yesterday, I had a call between the two investors left who can help. And the, the first of those calls was between an investor and that big client that's contract is up for renewal. It was 95% it went well. There was like 5% where the client said a few things to the investor that could tip him in the wrong direction. So that one conversation <laughs> that gave me fear of not performing for this client who's like a third of our revenue. Hopefully he hasn't given a bad taste into the investor's mouth about us. And that's one of two conversations that why I'm not sleeping right now. The second conversation was with the second investor. Previously, they were looking at fairly confident to close out 500 to 700 grand themselves, but they went off the grid for like a week last week. Now it's looking like much more like they could probably only do 200K. Shit, I'm gonna, <laughs> we might run out of money here. this game that we opt into daily because we love it. So fuck it. Take the shot. Take the shot. A unicorn in business is a privately owned startup company valued at over $1 billion. We're Ben and Joel. We believe every human deserves access to a world-class education. And our tech startup, Vigo, is trying to make that a reality. Now, we're not from Silicon Valley. In fact, we're from the opposite side of the world, Australia. We have a billion dollar vision and we need to launch into the US in 12 months. In many ways, the odds are stacked against our startup, but we've just been given a miracle. The number one business coach in the world, Matt Mashari, has just agreed to coach us for one year. Matt's not your usual coach and we're not your usual founders. This is the story of that year raw and unfiltered. Episode 7, Investment. Chapter 1, Show Me the Money. It's always been really important to get investors at the right times. We just didn't really understand at the beginning when the right time was. So pretty much from day one, Ben and I tried to start raising from investors without knowing the slightest bit of information about how a company was meant to run, what our company was going to look like in a few years. So from the beginning, we started trying to get investment. And really, if we had have got to the beginning, it would have been the end of Vigo. It was just this glorious thing that startups did. And we just thought like, oh man, you raise capital, that's it, you're finished. You, you've made it, you're a huge company. <laughs> Funding is, is a trophy. And if you get it, you're a cool kid. We were reading about startups. We were watching, you know, startup materials, listening to startup podcasts, and it just sounded like this super cool thing to do. We had no idea why investors invest, what do they actually want, or how to get them. We hadn't even met Stephen yet. And we were like, all right, step one, raise capital. And we met some investors, and the investor's like, all right, so tell me the business plan. And we're like, okay, this is what we were planning for the business. <laughs> and then he's like, okay. And he's like, well, tell me about how you're going to IPO. We're like, what's an IPO? <laughs> and he was, he was like, he was bridging, you know, which is the when 
they put their hands up to their, their face and they start rubbing their nose and just like, why the fuck am I in this meeting? It was always important to understand that if we were going to make the impact on the world we wanted to make, there was always going to need to be external funding helping us get there. We're always going to need venture capital to help us achieve the scale we wanted to, to help us help the hundreds of millions of students in the world that, that need access to education. But at different points, the amount we needed investment <laughs> was desperate. It wasn't just important for us to achieve our goals. It was, we were desperate to stay alive. We were looking at closing the business because there was just, there was nothing to sustain us. We we're just going to go back to doing this in the evenings. It was either find a way to get investors on board or give up. Joel was applying for jobs at Uber and not cool Uber jobs, like, <laughs> like driving Uber jobs. <laughs> and, um, and Stephen was just, you know, getting ready for, to continue on with his life in banking. And it all came down to this one pitch, this one last, last ditch opportunity. And I told the story of how we were going to change from being this company that sells directly to students and how we were going to start selling to institutions it all came together at the very, very last possible minute through this handshake deal coming off the stage after the pitch. Investors are the reason that we're alive. There's a lot of reasons that we're alive, but they are a big one. There's been a lot of periods in Vigo's history where we would not have survived without the external help that they were able to give us. Like they were there for us. We have a huge mission behind this. And it wasn't just about money. It wasn't just about us. It was something, it was about a much bigger picture that we wanted to achieve. And we were gonna need venture capital money to make that happen. We wanna raise the capital, we wanna go big, we wanna be in the history books. And so when it came time to raise again, we thought, great, this is gonna be so much easier than last time because we have people in our corner. And we went out, we started to raise, we started to get some promise. And then all of a sudden, our biggest supporter just left us high and dry. Not only did they, they leave us, they kind of just gave up on the whole industry. When the COVID hit, they had the chance to back us and to support us, but instead they came to the conclusion that you know, universities wouldn't exist in six months, which I'll be fair, a lot of the world was apocalyptic and didn't think the world would exist in six months. A lot of the people who were there early on the journey, they're gonna have to tap out at some point and tap out in, in value and advice and in future investing. And you know, we've certainly hit that at some pretty unexpected times. Chapter two, why raise it all? Before Matt came in, we had really formed this new view of fundraising that it was just a necessity. And if we wanted to be massive, we just had to raise. And it got to the point where we, we obsessed over it. How are we gonna do the next funding round? How are we gonna do the next funding round? And then what that did is it actually ended up distorting what we were aiming for, all the traction we we're trying to get from in our company. We were designing our traction to fit what investors were saying because we were so scared of being back in that scary cash flow position. Matt picked up on that pretty early on. And when he looked at our numbers, he was like, wait a second, why the hell are you even raising? I invested in that relationship method really hard. And that, as a result, I built some amazing relationships with some investors who previously would never have picked up the phone. And ultimately, the feedback came through that they're like, this is the best investment process we've ever seen run. Amazing team. Can't believe your traction. Can't believe you've got to this point with such little funding. Absolutely love it. Got to the final decision stage and our board of directors voted against it because, you know, we're skeptical of B2B education. We'd love to invest uh, in a Series A and do like a really baller Series A, but we need 
more non-Australian traction, US customers, and potentially an MVP, which demonstrates more proof that we can follow our users um, outside of their relationship with the university. So, so there's one thing that I heard there that gives me pause for concern. Mm-hmm. All the VCs gave you advice and you're going to build your company around that advice. And that advice was why they said no. And they imply that if you were able to do these, they would fund you. So you're now building your company in order to get funded by a venture firm. That makes me feel fear. And Why does what, that give you fear, Matt? Uh, because one, when someone says no and here's why, sometimes they tell the truth. Sometimes they don't. That's one reason. Like, How crazy would it be for you to build your company off of a, a lie that they're just trying to make up some excuse? And then the second thing is letting someone else determine what builds a good business for you. I would never want you to outsource that. Investors often give the exact wrong advice because the good investments for them are 1,000x returns. They would rather have 20 zeros and 1,000x than have 22xs. But for you, a 2x, a 3x, a 5x might be a phenomenal outcome rather than a 95% chance of hitting a zero. Because if you start doing all these extra things, where's the focus? You're now you're all over the place. Whereas you've got a real business here with real customers. The reason why most tech companies raise money is because they have to. They don't have customers, but you do. You can always take investors on later on, but once you've got them, you can never get rid of them. I remember him saying, you're telling me you have now proven that you hire a salesperson and they make you more money than they cost you. And we were like, yeah. He was like, well, what are you doing? <laughs> like, you can be a profitable company. You can go be wealthy founders and just continue to grow this company and not be a venture capital, big, you know, fast growth unicorn company, but come out wealthy for yourselves. Go do that. Matt had spent months reminding us why we started this business. And he'd spent every single session building our confidence again to build the company we wanted to build. And it just didn't add up because Matt had raised the biggest fucking investment round of all time at one point. And I couldn't comprehend or, or correlate those two ideas. And Matt had had that same conviction and he'd taken funding to get there. And that made Joel, myself and Stephen really reflect on, well, do we want to do that? Do we want to just tap out from the fast growth lane and just run this ourselves and run this as a profitable business? Or do we want to go change the world? And we want to, do we want to do that at rocket speed? And we decided rocket speed. We decided, sorry, Matt, we disagree. We don't want to wind this back. We want to wind this up. Chapter three, the hardest thing we've ever done. We started to have a lot of success in this round or, or really what looked like success, some early signs of success. So they, some of these investment funds wanted to start meeting me as well. So I came down to start representing the product side of the business. And uh, we went into, into one of these Australian investment funds, which really was one of the top funds in Australia. I was really excited to meet them. I, I couldn't believe that we'd made it through to this far in the process. And going in, Ben had been telling me about how well it had been going, how much these investors loved us. They loved our company. They loved our numbers. And, and I'm walking in here pretty confident thinking, wow, this is going to be a really great meeting. We're going into their office. They've invited us to have coffee. And uh, during that meeting, 
It was just like an absolute bombardment. It felt like a complete beration. There was no love in that room. There was no belief in what we were doing or, or the future. And I walked out thinking, holy shit, Ben is insane. And Ben had to wear all of that. He had to wear what that experience was like every single time and then turn that into the positive out of it. And I went in and I was shell-shocked and Ben would have just been normalized for him. But after 15 or 20 of those no's, of those kinds of meetings, it starts to wear on you for sure. The venture capital path, it has its positives of massive cash injections, which allow you to do, to rocket ship really quickly but it also has its downsides. It brings in so much more pressure, oversight, energy loss. Poor Ash was sitting there being like, what the hell just happened? Ben's good under stress, although when he was raising, he was very stressed. And the great thing about it was it never impacted how he engaged with everyone else at the company or how he behaved towards everyone or the output of his work but it really, he internalized that stress. And I do think it impacted his well-being. He worked himself to the bone and he was, he was very stressed. I would not want him to raise again under those conditions. Don't worry, Ash, we only have to do this another three or four times. <laughs> Don't worry, Ash, it only gets way worse. One of the, the key bits of advice that has always stood out in my mind from one of our advisors and actually an investor now he told me very early on, there is no deodorant for desperation. If you're desperate, investors will smell that a mile away on you. No one wants to put their money in someone who's desperate for it. Or if they do, they want to screw you. And it's so hard. It's so hard to not be desperate because <laughs> you, you want their cash so badly sometimes. It's this super hard thing to reconcile of like, hey, if this person doesn't invest, we're going to have to fire people and let people down. But at the same time, if you walk into that meeting thinking that you really need that money, you're not going to get it. Your vision for the company needs to be so much bigger than their investment. Their investment is just fuel for your fire. That's when they want to come on board. So you have to come in, you have to be inspiring, you have to be inspired and you have to be genuinely inspired. And you have that and you form a good relationship with somebody, your odds go up quite significantly. Chapter four, the true cost of money. I'm the guy who looks after investment at Vigo. It's my job and my responsibility. So I spend a significant amount of my job looking at funding rounds of other people, finding out what's normal, and then setting my own expectations and then setting other people's expectations. Fundraising, <laughs> fundraising is a consistent, it has always been a consistent guilt point for me because like we've said, fundraising, it hasn't been this simple process for us in the past and it's always taken longer than we've ever thought. And it, it means that we've gotten to all these really tight cash positions. And so it's on me to go out and raise. And I'm an optimist, I'm an ambitious person. When investment rounds start taking too long, and cash gets really tight and we're looking down the barrel of some scary decisions, the guilt on me just starts to rise and rise and rise. The very first investor who put money in was um, one of our customers, uh, Australian Catholic University, and that was awesome. John, can you hear me? Yeah. ACU just signed their investment deal. Oh, 
<laughs> Mate, uh, we're in. Pack a beer right now. Oh, is that the final signature? Like, no one can change it now? No one can change it now. Now that we've got this money, we're assuming you've got nothing to do, Ben. <laughs> now that you've got nothing to do, because your job's finished, go buy a Switch and some games and some controllers to bring on, on Wednesday. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> I'm so relieved. They put in a decent amount of cash and that allowed us to, to double down and start hiring all the growth people that we wanted to hire. So ACU put in uh, $750,000 and we went out and we started spending that with the expectation that we were going to be able to raise another uh, roughly two million bucks. ACU put in their money as what is called in the biz a safe note, um, which means basically we don't have to agree to a lot of the finer print terms at the time. So that money came in quite easily without any um, major negotiations. That next $2 million, it wasn't going to come in under such uh, easy breezy terms. We're going to have to actually iron out all the fine details and do a typical equity raise, which means all the shares get issued, all the terms are worked out. So I had expectations about what the terms were going to have to look like and you know what valuation Vigo was going to get and, and what that would mean for dilution to the founders. However, we quickly worked out that I had not set similar expectations with Joel and Stephen. When I took what I thought was an amazing deal to Joel and Stephen and I was, you know, we only get diluted down to this, they were all like, wait, what? These terms sound pretty shitty. It went from this glorious project to an absolute living hell. That equity, like we already owned it. Like we've busted our asses and now it's just being taken away. Like it's just a yuck feeling. Like the whole thing is meant to keep founders incentivized. It does the opposite to me. It makes me like just feel bad about everything I've done. Mm. We're taking a million dollars. We're giving up a lot for that. We've got a bunch of salespeople we've hired. How long is it going to take them to bring us in a million dollars of revenue? Would it be worth just waiting for that to come in and using that to grow rather than giving up a massive chunk of stuff? I still think we should raise this money because this money in any scenario allows us to achieve more. But I wouldn't... What, what Stephen's saying is correct, actually, because I, I, I actually have those same fears but it's not my world. So I'm actually not incredibly informed. So they are opinions and nothing else. To date, we've trusted you and I don't want to stop trusting you. So I trust you, that's not going to change. It was this strange process where I was trying to get the deal done with the investor and momentum is key, but then also reset Joel and Steven's expectations on the round and paint the picture about why this is still the right move for us and how we didn't really have another option if we wanted to be that super high growth company. And we were just going back and forth and, and I took that problem to Matt and yeah, Matt called me out. <laughs> Matt said, Ben, this is your job. This is your decision. You need to bring Joel and Steven up to speed, but they've trusted you with this position, the CEO position, and you need to own it. We've received a term sheet for 1 million from Sparkmine, who is an awesome European EdTech VC. Um, and it's a really significant step up for us in terms of this would be our first non-Australian investor, which is 
it's a big thing for us. What we are starting to get scared of is that the founders collectively, we are now dipping beneath 50% ownership of the company. And that scares us. It just doesn't feel right. My fear is, here is that the other founders just blindly buy in, hold on to resentment about the decision that I've maybe pushed them into. And then ultimately, even no matter what situation, good or bad outcome, they just always have that resentment of maybe Ben could have done a better job here. And I just trusted him. I communicated horribly about this the whole way through. <laughs> um, so I had really unrealistic expectations of our funding situation for the last year. And ultimately, this has left us in not the tightest position, but a, we don't have a plethora of investors now at the table. Like it's just in my head, I'm like, this is crazy. And then I talked to my other founder who also thinks it's crazy. And they're like, well, we both think it's crazy. What the hell? And then I just see yours going, oh, it's all normal. I'm like, oh, all right. No, by the way, it's shitty and normal. Yeah. I do agree with you that it's crazy and normal, but that's, that's the deal with the devil you sign up for when you take venture money. But I think your reaction of this is crazy, that's correct. That means you're paying attention. Okay, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> this is the deal with the devil you make with venture. Like you're not going to get away from this. I just had to make the call. And Joel and Steven, they said, look, we disagree, but we trust you. Okay, uh, Joel, we're okay, this isn't necessarily negative news. Like we got some news today from SparkMind. If you remember, they're the key VC I fund. Yeah, we really thought they were keen and going to come back with like, yes, they're in. And then they came back and said, yes, they're in. I knew you were going to say that because you kept smiling. <laughs> I, I, did, oh, for it. I was like, you were like smiling, like, okay, I can set your expectations. Like, <laughs> okay, so work on my poker face. <laughs> oh, it's nice for someone Reaction. else in the company to lie to me. We ran the numbers and I made the call. Joel and Stephen backed me and we're stoked for it. Chapter five, onward and upward. The seed round ended up being $2.6 million. That money was going primarily into two functions, our new expensive but world-class product team and our building out a scalable sales team across the globe. The biggest lesson we continue to learn is that fundraising is really fucking hard every single time. Certainly over the years, the more founders quote unquote, successful founders we've met have just have just said, don't raise, don't ever raise. You, you don't have to raise, do not do it. Find a way to not do it. It'll, uh, your, your life will be much better off for it. Our thinking around investment had gone from, look, it's this glorious thing and super fun thing to do and achieve to actually, this is a necessity. If we want to keep up with this ambition and we want to be this fast growth company, we have to raise money. When I saw the money in the bank, I'd always thought I'd be super excited, but I was just radically relieved. I felt like after that point, I could sleep properly for the first time in a long time, knowing that, that the company was okay and I was going to be okay. And then it immediately turned to, it's not enough. We need to do more. We need to build faster. We need to grow faster. <laughs> and that's pretty much been the pattern of Viagra to date. <laughs> Fear, relief, joy, Fear, relief, joy. That's so good. <laughs> yeah, I, I would agree. I definitely whipped out my phone and I showed my family a few times. 
So um, got the email and um, from the investor and they're keen. Oh my God. Oh my God. Yeah. How do you feel? Uh, Relief? Yeah. Yeah. Um, super relieved. Like, like <laughs> I, um, I was verge of verge of tears for a little bit. A couple of years ago, two and a half million dollars would have seemed like this insane amount of money that I couldn't even understand. We've got a long way to go, but with that money, we've been able to really start to make it our mission and our vision a reality. We're now building one of the best softwares I've ever even used, let alone a software meant for helping people learn. To get to this point, the founders really had to drive basically everything, not everything, <laughs> but basically everything. What was really exciting about this last round is that we brought on some awesome new partners, ACU, Supercharger, FFF, and a few of the others. They're here for the long haul, and particularly uh, SparkMind. I think we just found <laughs> the, the investor-founder soulmate relationship here. They totally get it. They see the problem, they see the big vision, and They've got the pockets to continue to add more and more financial value into the business as well as strategic advice. It's just so refreshing to have partners who you know you're gonna be able to count on for the next couple of years. Matt has been coaching us for a year. This has been the most I've ever grown. We've put everything we had into this. I've cried on camera, which I've never done before. <laughs> We've changed our businesses and, and more than anything, I've changed so much about myself and all of it could have been for nothing and now's the pinch point we're about to answer the big question can we go and crack it in america we're about to fly over and find out if you're enjoying this podcast subscribe in your app of choice so you don't miss out there's a new episode every two weeks the Unicorn Launcher is a Lower Street production.